0: I'm Stephen Hunt. Welcome to the Active Performance Podcast, a podcast that gives top global managers and their teams the confidence and power of clarity to grow their international business in innovative ways. This week, power and self-confidence. What do confident global managers do to be at their best all of the time? We've all experienced it, and there's nothing worse. The global leader who has a confusing strategy, or better said, their implementation plan is confusing, or they're communicating it badly, it's demotivating people, and it's making lines of delegation confusing. I'm lucky enough to have interviewed hundreds of global managers over the last decade and more. I've also got a background in finance and clinical psychology, And that makes it easier for me to understand the business context and the human dynamics within a group. The interviews that I've led have always been part of a change management project or a 360 degree feedback interview on executive performance. All of them were one-to-one, a format where people open up more and share what is really on their mind. And this is what executives say are their mistakes around power and confidence and how to get it right. There are three fundamental mistakes as it relates to power and self-confidence. The first is accepting a higher position, the status and prestige, but not the power that goes with the position. So congratulations, you move up a level, you've been promoted. It's a big psychological step. You're being thrown into a leading role, probably at a country, regional or global level, and it has its unique challenges. The status and the prestige of the higher position can be seductive, but as Julie Diamond shows in her book Power, there's a fatal mistake, and that is rejecting the power that comes with the role. In other words, accepting the position, the salary, the status, but not accepting the power and the responsibility for decision-making that comes with it. Weak executives fail to stamp their authority on the situation. For example, they let key deadlines slip because they don't make people clearly accountable for the outcomes and consequences. They struggle with delegation or they get pulled into meetings that they don't need to be in. They start micromanaging where they don't need to micromanage. They avoid tough decisions with difficult personalities. They avoid conflict by trying to push it onto other people. And longer term, what they create is more confusion, more mistrust, and more game-playing. The way to get around this is to accept the power, of course, and you do that by being fixed on the goals and flexible on the journey. This is a wonderful expression. The end point is clear. The route to the end point isn't clear. It emerges as you go along. Therefore, you have to know where you want to go. You have to have goals and be able to articulate them clearly to different stakeholders whether that's different employee groups different management groups board members shareholders outside stakeholders this is a real balancing act it's a challenging balancing act on one side you want to move away from abstract high level vision and mission language On the other side of the balance, you don't want to tip it too far into micromanaging every single initiative and every project that you've got going. Accepting the power that comes with the role is about moving with purpose towards your goals, because of course the worst decision is no clear decision. It's also choosing indicators which show that if the path you've chosen is wrong, You're quickly able to change it, but you keep moving forward because the second word's decision is not being flexible when you're going down the wrong path. It is also about working to indicators and not getting lost with abstract visions and dreams of what might be. You have to translate those into action, and that is measured by the indicators that you choose. The second biggest mistake, not being vulnerable. We all know the expression, it's lonely at the top. In my experience, more often than not, loneliness is a symptom of a leader who does not want to be vulnerable because being vulnerable means taking the risk of being open. I decide as a leader whether to be open or not. The decision rests with me. However, once I've decided to share my thoughts, I cannot control what people do with them. There's a risk. They could take that information and use it against me. They could take the information and work with me, but I can't control what they do. So being vulnerable means taking the risk of being open. And the best way around this is to decide who you want to be open to. You don't have to be open to everyone, but you're wise when you're open to someone. Think of people who've been your manager who aren't open to you. They are distant, they're aloof, they're cold. And when we put this into an international context, that relational distance gets even bigger when the person is leading from another country or another continent. The fact is, few people will trust a leader who they consider to be cold and distant. It's their perception that matters more than whether the person is actually distant and cold. And the consequences of being cold and distant are quite dangerous when you get into an international environment. If you think about leaders, managers, bosses you've had who are cold, they are not the people who you remember sharing a lot of information with. You tend to share what's necessary. Getting access to information is critical in international business, particularly knowing what's going on in other regions and other countries and other markets. The key point here is to build your executive support system. Get out of your bubble by seeking out opinions that contrast with yours. Open up to employees, open up to other stakeholders, step by step, rather like peeling an onion. You can do it layer by layer, you don't have to do everything at once. Nobody is asking anyone to fully expose their deepest thoughts and ideas and hopes and fears and fantasies. What it takes is simply sharing to an extent that the other person feels comfortable And showing gratitude and thanks to others when they're open with you. This creates a spiral of trust, a positive spiral that's going up. It creates confidence at an individual level, at an interpersonal level. And it creates a culture of confidence across the whole organisation. The third fundamental mistake is low self-confidence. Low self-confidence at the executive level typically manifests itself in what psychologists call the imposter syndrome. Executives rise to the top of the organization but at the same time as experiences great success they feel out of place, they feel underqualified, they feel experienced or they feel fake or they feel all of those things together. Psychologists know that the inner dialogue for these executives is People will soon find out that my skills are not up to the job. When they discover that fact, I will be out in the open for everyone to see. My embarrassment and humiliation will be complete. Note that this is an inner dialogue. This is what's happening in people's heads. The reality on the ground might be something completely different. But where you do see the symptoms are in the executive whose opinions are unclear, whose decision-making is increasingly nervous and tentative and their use of intuition, which is a key skill at executive level, is limited or even ignored. So you have a choice. On the one hand, you can believe that your rise to the top was pure luck, you won the leadership lottery. Alternatively, your rise to the top was because of your skills and your personality, which you've worked hard to improve over the years. The hard work is a pattern of behaviour which can be repeated. It's pretty clear that the first description. Winning the leadership lottery is the opinion of somebody who has low self-confidence. So the steps to take are rather obvious. Stop this internal dialogue of doubt in your head. Instead, use things like a morning mantra to ground yourself. Journal your successes. Identify and raise your awareness to your positive behaviours that lead to your successes. Write down the positive feedback, the praise that you get from other people. Review it once a month and identify the patterns. I run an executive mentoring circle where you can test out your imposter fantasies with open, honest feedback from a peer group, people at the same level. And we often analyze not what made us fail, not how we made the big mistake. We analyze the flip side of that coin, which is taking the time to analyze what made us win, how we create success. Because if you can identify those factors that created the success, The probability of repeating them is exponentially higher. I'm Stephen Hunt. Thank you for listening. Join me next time for more on how top global managers use confidence and the power of clarity to grow their business.